You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. This is a reading of a cycle of lectures and seminars on world economics by Rudolf Steiner entitled Rethinking Economics. This is part two, the fifth seminar, given in Dornach on August 4th, 1922. X brings up for discussion the problem of the rate of exchange and its fluctuations. He surmises that certain personalities are behind them. Rudolf Steiner That happens. That is part of the cause. It is very hard to say that anything is the main cause, because that has changed a lot at various times. But the most various causes are at work in the level of the exchange rate. The main cause for the more recent losses in the exchange rate is the discrepancy that has become possible between the gold and paper currency in our own land. Basically, it is the case that gold currency in the countries with a poor exchange rate no longer plays a decisive role, whereas in the countries with a good currency the reserves are still there, which of course determines that such countries that have a gold currency are in a very different credit situation than the others. The question of the exchange rate is primarily a question of credit. Of course, when something happens, like the impairment of credit in a trading area, then one can again make use of such a reason in order to proceed further. One can drive the credit down again via the stock exchange. And added to this, there are rather senseless ventures in our country. It is entirely out of the question that currently there is no reason for the German mark to have fallen to the extent and in the way that it has but that here the speculation of our own country also contributed significantly. Our country that is making sales abroad and thereby even giving away what it still has. All this then eventually brings the exchange rate into a steep decline. Then things will happen as in Austria. What also contributed to all this in Russia is hard to say. In Austria and Germany the thing started with the decrease in the gold reserves the reduced availability of credit, and the speculation in our country. In Germany there is speculation in exports. Just now in Austria there is speculation so that foreign supplies are withheld, making them more expensive, with the result that the krona loses value because of the francs, dollars, and so on, which they have in their own country. This could never have happened if the currencies with a high exchange rate had not already begun to rise. This can continue to go on even in our own country and develop into a boundless situation. But the start of this calamity was the enormous extent to which German gold was collected during the war and taken away by the government, which saw to it that it was sent out of the country. The German people have no gold whatsoever. That is the important thing. Today one can compare the gold reserves of the Reichsbank with all the gold owned by the German people before the war. 
Of course, other events contributed to this as well, but they are quite difficult to identify. It only takes for a particular currency to be withheld in a country for it to affect the exchange rate once again. Depending on what the exchange rate is abroad, one can initiate an acceleration or a delay, and after that the exchange rate sinks and falls in the country having a weak currency. In this way, certain personalities can have an easy time of damaging another country. How much is that country's own fault is hard to determine. It must be a considerable sum that played a part in the speculation of certain people. Question. Some say the fault of the currency distress lies in the change in the balance of payments of the poor countries to the other countries. In Germany, this worsening was primarily because payments were made abroad without any proceeds coming back. That creates an account balance in favor of the Entente. That is what is relevant. Rudolf Steiner That could never have led to such a devaluation of the currency as exists in Germany and Austria. The opinion that the discrepancy between the gold standard and paper money is only the outer side is incorrect for the reason that the fact remains that before the war the paper currency was backed by gold. That is a real economic fact. And now we realize that as long as the paper money is essentially backed with gold, inflation will, as a rule, not take place. That is how that is connected. When the gold is gone, then we have inflation. And with that senseless inflation, which was possible only because it was not felt necessary to still depend on the gold currency, you could, of course, make the money as cheap as possible. So because, thanks to England's might, we have the gold standard, we have one of the primary causes that really mostly lies in the increasing price of gold, and that then undermines the credit. And then, when this affects the credit money, the balance of payments begins to play a role. This situation must only first get underway. The cause of the currency devaluation already existed before the war. You will remember that during the war it was always said that Germany would be ruined because of its financial straits. This did not happen during the war. But when the war was over and the frontiers were somewhat open economically, what was developing during the war became possible. That was what brought the avalanche into motion. Then all sorts of causes worked together. One should rely on the balance of payments only when its numbers have been made definite. So long as they are only balanced numbers, one cannot rely on the balance of payments. It must first mean something, not just a difference. X. Gold just keeps wandering abroad and acts to devalue the money so long as the gold standard exists. Rudolf Steiner. The way our economic condition is today that the gold standard is the underlying element, there is no doubt that countries which have no gold are entirely dependent for the valuation of their products on the countries having gold reserves, and on that then depends the value of the money. One can understand the situation quite well from the tremendous upheavals in the world, but the effects are so enormous that one is tempted to look for quite hidden causes, in quotes. But just this devaluation of the currency is not so hidden as one always likes to say. It is rather because of the fact that, curiously enough, 
people have come to the point of not being able in any way to judge what is going on. I often said after the war was over that whoever looks at the situation properly finds that since 1914 we have lived through about as many centuries with regard to the changes that have taken place as the number of years we have lived through during this time. And really it seems like an anachronism that certain things have remained the same. One has the feeling that after five or six hundred years the language would normally have changed. It is like an anachronism that today people still speak essentially as they did in 1914. But this has not made a very strong impression on them. When one looks back into history, one usually then surveys longer time periods. Just try, for example, to study the fluctuations of grain prices in England in the 15th and 16th centuries. Then you will also see that with changes which took place in a much less tumultuous way, there were fluctuations of the price of grain up to 20 times the usual price. From that you can understand how the things that have happened in life since 1914 must really be evaluated. People do not believe this because they have no sense for the qualitative aspects of life. So people noticed only later on what happened because money is a dishonest companion when the money was destroyed. For people have an instinct for evaluating only what is in their wallet. Only when the situation becomes evident People think only in terms of money. Do they notice it in the collapse of the currency? But as one now looks at life qualitatively, take Russia, I ask you, take the whole complex of Russian life permeated throughout with the sentiment of the, quote, little father czar, close quote, right up until Lenin. What must you interpose there in the way of forms metamorphosing themselves? Basically, even the Russian currency devaluation is only a kind of barometer for whatever else has happened. Therefore the situation is not so incomprehensible. The effect is very terrible and will become even more so, but it is understandable simply from the course of the other events. Question. Have we, in effect, a world economy already today? Rudolf Steiner. One cannot formulate the thought in quite that way. You first have to consider the state of affairs, before the World War. This was, to a great degree, already leading events into a functioning world economy. You need only to consider the international traffic in checks to have a measure of the great extent which the world economy had already reached. People's thinking did not keep up with the coming about of the world economy. They still used the definitions of the national economy. It would never have been possible had one's thinking kept up with the facts for humanity to have all the annoyances of all kinds of custom barriers that arose already before the war. This was all in line with the world upheaval of Versailles. One did not want to update one's thinking. One wanted to alter the facts. If a problem arose, a customs barrier would be erected somewhere along the frontier. But it is nevertheless the case that we had already reached a high level of world economy, despite the customs barriers. When there is a high level of world economy, then the price you pay when you go from Dornach to Basel on the train is dependent on conditions in America. Everything now has bit by bit greatly affected the prices of the world economy. That has therefore already happened. Many things in their actual money value 
simply were what they were largely due to what had developed out of the world economy. Because of the war, barriers were suddenly created which led to business practices that were not in accord with what had developed before. And after people still had not begun to catch up with their thinking, it was tried in Versailles to correct matters in the old style. The whole dismemberment of Austria is no good for the price of anything. For example, the price of taking an Austrian steamboat, the price of coal, for anything at all. This then first created the chaos, this frantic attempt that was made to cope with the facts, with the old thinking, while the world economy was already there to a great extent. With a limited kind of thinking, one might say that national economies would come about once again, but that is not the case. That which very greatly contributes to the currency fluctuations proves that the world economy is here, because in Austria there are all kinds of assets from all over the world, and so with them one can influence the world economy. Those are things that surely prove that today it won't do to simply ignore the world economy. Question. If America makes loans to Russia in order to improve its condition by building railroads and so on, then the result will be that the money is put into Russia and that the Americans simply have title to the properties without ever getting their money back. Rudolf Steiner If America decided on this money transfer, in whatever form it is made, then that would be a donation. The great loans that took place must result in a donation. But America will not decide to help Europe. That is currently already quite openly advocated in America until Europe offers to guarantee that it will not engage in any further warlike, that is to say, commercial entanglements. The only reason America does not help, because America would gain thereby, since its own economy would become healthier, consists in the fact that Europe looks as if anything put into it is lost. People in America are afraid of making any loans. They will not be made unless in time more personal credit becomes available. How easy it would be to help Europe can be seen from the fact that when it was believed that Rathenau and Wirth were competent people, which they were not, at that moment good prospects had opened up. But when, especially also in the Entente, as well as in the defeated countries, new people came into the leading positions, who had nothing to do with what was before the war, when all the people disappeared from public life who still represented the names of yesterday, in that moment, Europe would be helped. Then it would have personal credit. The situation is such that real credit is no longer available. That personal credit must bring about real credit once again. This could bring about a gradual improvement. If the krona and mark were to increase in value somewhat, then there would be quite a different mood. Then there would again be all kinds of reasons that would only then arise to bring about further improvement the level of morality has sunk down so far. Question not recorded. Rudolf Steiner The solution of this question is that not everyone was wrong, but that everyone was right, because they all came up with partial causes related to their own experience. This proves to them the necessity of community in life. In the economic life it is not at all possible for one person to make a comprehensive judgment. Therefore the people were mostly correct. But it seems to me it was Edison 
who was most correct in that he pointed to the underlying causes, although morally related ones. He is capable of thinking along economic lines, and he said that the main thing is on what principles people are hired who are taken into a business. The experienced businessman puts questions to those to be hired that have nothing to do with the running of the business. They will catch on to that all right so long as they are otherwise competent. Therefore, as a businessman, I will ask them questions that show me, for example, if they still know or have forgotten what they learned at school. If the one I am questioning tells me absolute nonsense, then my question is answered, and I consider that he is not sufficiently capable of learning. Edison asked a whole range of such questions when he wanted to employ someone. When one takes hold of this in such a practical way, it will make a difference whether I hire a man who is sitting at his desk and cannot tell the difference between wheat and rye, or someone who can tell the difference. And this is something people do not believe today. People believe one could be quite a competent bookkeeper without knowing what a sunflower is. That is said with a grain of salt, but what Edison here suggested seemed to me to be very much to the point. It is economical. It is shown here how far the mind takes hold of the work. Question. What is required by the present economic necessities from those who believe they have to found a new doctrine of economics? Rudolf Steiner. I am mainly trying to give you partial answers to this question every day. Because what is important is that one really understands this transition from the partial national economies to the world economy that has been going on for about 50 years, and that one no longer continues to work with the old national economic categories, but that one understands that today certain things have to be done that were not there before, and that can only be accomplished with one's thinking. Consider now the former national economies, then you see that they are simply adjacent to one another. Even earlier the situation was that they were quite separate from each other. That economic situation existed at a time when lands could still simply be conquered. It does not depend on the distances involved. You can think about France when it was still uncultivated, and the Franks who were passing through discovered the empty lands. That leads to quite different economic conditions than when one comes into a comparatively closed region with a greater culture. The Visigoths had a different destiny because they invaded a region that was more advanced economically. And the greatest example of separated national economies that then react on one another is the relationship between England and its colonies, especially India. There, separate national economies were combined into a common area through conquest also through peaceful conquest. That is the first situation. The second is when the territories are adjacent and have independent national economies. And the third is where a closed area is created because nothing can be adjacent to it in an economic sense, because total wastelands are not to be considered in this connection. Now, we just need to be aware that we are in a tremendous time of transition and that the most vital thing is the worldwide promotion of the world economy to which we must adjust ourselves. This new understanding of everything in economics is what everything depends on. There is a very interesting example of how people are little able to change their understanding in Spengler's book, The Decline of the West. 
which also has a chapter on economics. He really provides some excellent glimpses, but has no notion how things actually are. His concepts are nowhere in accord with reality. It is especially bad in the second volume with regard to economics because Spengler had a relatively good understanding of how business was conducted in certain economic areas a long time ago. On the one hand, he understands the naturalistic, agrarian economy extremely well. On the other hand, he also does not lack understanding of modern economic life. Here he distinguishes, and this is Spengler's coyness, the Faustian from the Homeric. Now, it is of enormous significance that such a clever man as Spengler cannot understand that something that has been overcome apparently still affects what comes later. So everything he designates as ancient economics is still there as a field in our midst. Especially where we have to do with what I have called purchase money, only the kind that Spengler attributes to antiquity finds its way in, except that its form has changed somewhat. Whereas, according to him, there was only material money formerly, he believes that today we have only functional money, while our money today must go in a direction so that the relationship between material and functional money is understood. He plays around with such superficiality, excuse, he plays around with such superficial for, superficially formed concepts, and still does not, however, arrive at concepts that are in accord with reality. Hence the brilliance of Spengler's concepts. In this marvelous yet confusing way, he mixes up the concepts, which is really a danger for those who are not immune to this confusion. Our task is to keep up with these situations with our thinking. We have these three things together, quite ordinary capital, doing business alongside one another, and the original naturalistic economy all of which are hidden from us because we use money for everything. There is this conflict between the nominalists and those who advocate the use of metal, metalists, instead of paper money. The former are of the opinion that money is only a sign, so the material of which it is made has no value, only the number that is printed on it, while the metalists say that the value of the material is the essential part of it. People quarrel about something like that, whereas the situation is as follows. In the area where we are mainly dealing with agriculture and what is connected with it, the metalists are correct concerning the function of money, while in industry and in spiritual cultural life the nominalists are correct because their money plays the part that they attach to it. And then we have the confused playing around of both sides. Such things we have to deal with. People fight about things that are much too simple, while we have a life that is complicated. Comment. But therefore our course is not really a course on national economics, but a course on world economic theory. Rudolf Steiner. Well, the names remain. You see, there was even a time when morality was considered part of economic business. In the first and second Christian centuries, morality belonged with economics. Question. I cannot bring myself to understand the reciprocal movement of nature product to work to capital, and so forth. Surely the means of production have already undergone a transformation. Rudolf Steiner The reversal does not relate to the making of the means of production, but to their bringing production about. 
The transformation has significance only at the moment when the means of production cease to be a commodity. It remains a commodity up to the moment when it can be converted to start producing. When it starts to produce, then the flow of economic events changes for the means of production. From that moment on it is raised out of the relationship it had when it was a commodity. In the threefold social order, I have indicated that it begins there to become homogeneous with nature because it can no longer have a price. It stands within the economic processes exactly like nature itself. It is moving itself back to nature once more. Question. Does that appear on the balance sheet? Rudolf Steiner. You mean this loss of value? It appears on the balance sheet only in abnormal cases. It appears only when someone, let us say, starts a business, brings about several means of production, then is ruined, and a man with greater skill takes over the business and he succeeds. Then when you compare these two balances, the one when the, balance, when the business failed and the one when it succeeded, you will discover such a partial appearance of devaluation. Because of the failure, the second one, simply because of the failure process, was able to buy all of the means of production more cheaply than he could ever have done. In that way he got part of it as a gift, so that then this could be expressed on the balance sheet. If you were now to follow the consequence of this procedure further along in the balance sheet, then you would find in it a partly cost-free transfer of the business. Today it could be proved with current accounting practices. Comment. Of course, these are exceptions. Today the abnormal is the norm. Rudolf Steiner. But this would eventually lead to a monstrous situation because the means of production are transferred directly to income, whereas the basic rent is produced only when capital is invested. A question is not recorded. Rudolf Steiner. You must not forget, when you put capital into an enterprise, then that is something very different than when you do not have capital in it. A very different motive is at work when you have it in there than when you do not, while not having it is basically only a kind of hallucination. Such hallucinations do happen. You may ask, where actually is the capital money? Let us say the loan capital, which is not invested in enterprises. It is there only as production and as ground rent. Only there does it exist. And if any man wanted some money for himself, then he would have to take it completely out of the economic process for a time, thereby causing a tension, and then give it away again at a different value. He would lose out there because the money would be progressively devalued since otherwise it is unthinkable for the process to occur in a radical way, and that changes the relationships. If one were to take hold of the economy in a healthy way, then the right relationships would come about. Today it is rather quaint, for example, the way the problem of wages is often handled. Higher wages are demanded, resulting in higher production costs. Then again the wages are insufficient. Again higher wages are demanded, and so it goes on, who knows where. As a result, people throw sand in their own eyes. While we may continue to use the expression, in quotes, wages, which is inaccurate, in an associative economy wages will be created that are possible. No false wages will ever be created. Question. 
Why do wages have to be created at all? Rudolf Steiner Try now to look into this. Here and there, workers receive an average of two francs per day. Now you can say that that is a very low, low wage. How can this become a very high wage without amounting to more than two francs? Comment By products becoming cheaper, Rudolf Steiner Only then will you get the final values. Then you will see that it will all come out the way I have said it. You cannot always put the cart before the horse. One has to put the question like this. We let the worker have the two francs, but under what circumstances will two francs be twice or three times as great a wage as today? One must actually proceed from the dynamic relationship, whereas one always proceeds from the static ones, and then once what is at rest to bring about movement. But the fact remains that putting five francs in my pocket is nothing by itself, but only something in relation to the whole economy. The end of Seminar 5